Welcome to your favorite comic book channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. I'm going to be taking a look at Wizard Magazine number 59 for July 1996. The Cartoonist Kayfabe channel comes out on a daily basis. We have more than 1,400 videos that are live right now. So that's pretty a robust catalog. Go to our front page on the Cartoonist Kayfabe page. Hit the little magnifying glass. Search for your favorite comics. We might have episodes about them. Check them out. Uh, if we didn't cover your faves... Please let us know in the comments below. We'll move those books higher up on our uh, to-read pile. And uh, we have a Patreon for the King Kayfabers to, to support the channel. You support us at the King Kayfabe level. You get in all the videos before anybody else. Mitigates the Kayfabe effect. Very often we talk about some rare comics that uh, the King Kayfabers snap up for cheap online or at their comic shops before uh, the, the general population gets to see the videos. Now without further ado... Taking a look at uh, Wizard Magazine number 59 with a uh, Billy Tucci she cover. Could this be one of the first covers that has like a purely kind of independent, you know, grassroots character drawn on it? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. It's a good question. It's possible. I'm There's, trying to think because there have been Marvel DC image Dark Horse covers. And then Bongo like, Comics would be one, but that's fucking Fox. You know, that's Simpsons. Uh, I, this might be it. Yeah, it's a good question. Which would could be. speak very highly of uh, the popularity of She at this point. There, I do think this is part of that group. The Joe Quesadas, the uh, Brian Polito's, yeah. of these guys who I think they they connected with Wizard and they connected with whatever press outlets, but they fit with Wizard. Yeah. And I think that they really turned Wizard you know, as much as possible into a marketing promo Absolutely. outlet. And it worked both ways. You know, I think they gave Wizard good content to use and uh, in return, Wizard gave them some spotlight. It's one of those things, man. Like uh, they're putting out a magazine every month and they need something to write about. So when Brian Polito, you know, fabricates a evil Ernie costume and, and you know, shoots a bunch of photos, might get an article. I also think if you're Wizard, you're trying to figure out like, how do we sell stuff? You know, like everybody is really struggling at this point to, to make sales, to make connections, to find that hot thing that will translate into a few extra copies sold. So maybe you get a little more creative freedom and like, let's try it. Off the off the, uh, off the the jump with uh, She, you know, that, uh, what do you call it? That anti-gravity room TV show. He talked about selling uh, north of a million copies of She comics. Yeah, I think it was a, it was a hit by, by any standards. And especially at this time in comics. We're building toward Onslaught with this, with this ad. Gotta tell you, I like some of this art. Like those sentinels, I think, look cool and they're just completely painted. And if you look close, very simple paintings. Right. Yeah, it's all shapes, man. Homage Comics is uh, exists and is still at uh, DC Comics. And it's got some uh, heavy no, hitters. No, still at Image. Still at Image. At know. Image Comics is what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a great ad. I mean, that, that's, that's a strong bunch of comics, I think. This is like the first kind of... Uh, first kind of movement towards image comics making good comics it kind of is <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have an ad for Kurt Busiek Busiek's Astro City interesting that he gets the top top bill in there man like uh, Brent Anderson he's just a, what he's just a cipher that's interesting I wonder if he has any you know any any stake in that property because not like, in the indicia at the bottom he drew there. a lot of those things strangers in paradise terry moore self-published quite a bit but you get a little extra help from, yeah this is uh, that time when you're looking for shelter from the collapsing distribution and leave it to chance paul smith uh popping into comics once again yeah and james robinson had just done that golden age dc series so you know a creative team that apparently liked working together and let's uh let's do it and own it this time In the letters, we got stuff from people like Guy Davis. Uh, I think we got numerous letters from uh, from creatives. There are a few creatives in here, and they also, Joe Quesada's in there, Joe Duffy. They also make mention of a huge amount of mail has come in on the Heroes Reborn stuff. Yeah, and somewhere within the past couple of issues, it is now called Heroes Reborn. It had some other name, Unfinished Business. It was, it was called for several issues. But now it's solidified to be uh, Heroes, Heroes Reborn. The Joe Quesada thing is so fanboy. It's, it, it totally reminds me of just like the most, you know, goofy of comments that, that we get where you, you do something about something. Like, you, okay, top 10, top five this. And, oh, yeah. and people will be like, 
I'm surprised you didn't mention this, this, this. And what they're really saying is, I know something you don't, <laughs> or what is your fucking problem? And that's exactly what Quesada's doing here, man. What about Michael Golden? What about Humberto Ramos? And, and really what he's saying is like, why don't you put me in that article too? Yeah, this is the American manga article from a couple of issues ago. Um, Adam Warren also, the, the third guy he mentions it. Why didn't you mention him? And they say that Golden is like recluse. Hard to get any any information, interview from him. Uh, but they do uh, spotlight Spartan X, the Jackie Chan series that he did uh, from Topps Comics, but then ends up being at Image Comics. I think one issue or something comes out of Topps. And uh, Ramos and Adam Warren, oversights. Yeah, and that totally. makes sense. Like, you're covering this kind of stuff. Like, there's probably another half dozen names we could figure out, too. Adam Moore should be number one, but but I, I, I get it. Joe Duffy's piece is very interesting, too, man, especially in the sort of divisive world we live in right now, where, uh, you know, there's you got the, the, the polls, man. You got people, uh, you know, uh, affirmative action type talk and, and all that kind of stuff. And she is coming through as kind of like devil's advocate for people, a lot of people in the letters column were talking about how like it's so hard for women to make it in the comics, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, listen, we're invisible here. You put in the work. Uh, it has to go to an editor. If it's good, you're, you're going to get some work. And if you are good and you don't get the job, like, you know, there, there are three things that are going to prevent you from getting the job. The quality of your work is not up to snuff. The style of your work isn't right for the assignment or the editor is a, or publishers a dickhead a jerk yeah and she says like it's just hard to make a living in comics whatever regardless of your gender race uh height what you know whatever it is it's hard to do this right <clears throat> did you ever think you were going to get technophage versus xersis i'm never going to get it out <laughs> this video is brought to you by the books that we make my upcoming releases include 1986, a zine celebrating the biggest year in comics history, True Crime Funnies, BW Zine. My next release is Street Angel Princess of Poverty from Image Comics coming this November. Street Angel Deadly Girl Alive and Hulk Grand Design are both available now wherever books are bought and sold. Ed Piscor's upcoming releases include Hip Hop Family Tree, The Omnibus, X-Men Grand Design Trilogy, reprinting all three of the X-Men Grand Design books and Red Room, available in two trade paperbacks, as well as the current series, Crypto Killers. And now back to the video. Marvel unveils World Without Heroes. So in this, in this continuity-based mainstream comic system that everybody still wants to live within, you gotta make some excuse for why all the Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee comics are gonna happen in a different universe, in their own space. So they're going to uh, build, build this particular story. It's kind of a whole bunch of hokum. This is um, a storyline I went through a little bit in the Hulk Grand Design stuff. Uh -huh. And it is very hard to understand it. <laughs> One more uh, very hard to understand storyline is the uh, Clone Saga. And uh, Marvel is doing everything they can to uh, write themselves out of that paper bag uh, by, by ending that Clone Saga and getting things back to uh, the status quo. Yeah, this is the editor says... Readers who have left the books because of the clone material, we've heard you. Two years. Two years Two this years. story went on, and I don't know that anybody said it was good at any point. No, not at all. And uh, what, what is funny, though, man, with that passage of time, past five years, I've been seeing a lot of uh, clone, clone spider clones, uh, costumes and stuff at the, at okay. the shows and stuff clone like nostalgia. that. nostalgia. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, she meets Daredevil in Winter Crossover. I mention that because we've got extreme crossovers yeah. now, Wildstorm crossovers. Um, you know, coming off the Marvel DC crossovers that were a big hit, it is just crossovers with anybody that wants to sign up. Just another noteworthy piece too, man. It's that's Billy Tucci. You know, I I love this like cottage industry thing. Some guy who had no stroke with Marvel DC before then, just you know, created his own thing. And uh, he is making these moves. You know, he just created card games with Jim Lee. This is a real mover-shaker type fella. Yeah, it really is. Compared to some of this stuff where it's like a studio or a publisher or whatever, it really seems to be one dude that's like burning the midnight oil and, and really trying to promo. Getting some Rob Liefeld ads in there, man. We're seeing some of like, this is like, we're getting to the tail end, man. I never even heard of Battlestar Galactica until Rob got the got the license. I didn't know anything about that show. It was, it was well off and never in repeat Pete's. It felt pretty square to me at this time. It, it felt like, what do you, who cares? Right. Um, it's just his own fanboy interests. But I actually, I watched most of that remake and 
kind of liked it, and I could see that it's it's the, as good as any other. The, uh, the remake comes way after this. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely not connected to the remake at all at this stage. But I'm saying like when I enter Battle Battlestar Galactica knowledge mm -hmm. is a remake stage and i kind of like the story is a fun story well people, well, people it's said not that fun it's like the the earth is white you know right. humans are wiped out and these are like a couple of ships that survive but uh you know compelling enough for me to watch three quarters of it yeah people uh people really st stood by that hepcats goes monthly with new publisher and it's interesting on the heels of our last episode of wizard coverage because he was planning to do like graphic novels at yeah. once once a year and uh when he Martin Wagner finally crunched those numbers. He's like, that, that is just not going to happen. I, th I think this poor kid, this poor kid is a piece of attrition uh, from this era of comics with the distribution going bust and, and things like that. Like he's doing everything he can to make it work. Uh, the book is going to be going to Antarctic Press. Those are the versions I have uh, that were, you know, reprinted by, by Ben Dunn or Joe Dunn, I guess, right here. Uh, and I don't know that he picked up the ball after all that stuff came out I, th I think he pretty much was disheartened and and finished yeah i think it's uh again noteworthy that it's antarctic and that that's one of those publishers that has been around now since like the late eight, mid, mid to late 80s you know like it's it's such a short list but it's remarkable that anybody survives the ups and downs that comics have been, especially like an indie company that isn't just one person. Totally. And, you know, like they would they would have a line, you know, and they would they would publish interesting people. Uh, there are Antarctic. I think it's Antarctic. The two issues of Schizo, Ivan Brunetti, before Fantagraphics picks it up. Yeah, they did a lot of stuff that wasn't just uh, American manga that, you know, you think of Ben Dunn. The, Box the, Office the, Poison. Yep, that's one. Brandon Graham, I think his first stuff was there. Yeah. Um, Oh shit! I'm not gonna think of the artist's name, but there there are a lot of like what I think of as alternative cartoonists who did early work there at Antarctic. Totally, it didn't get burnt bad enough that they left comics, right. which is you know can't happen. That Buzzbox stuff has some stuff in it. Spider-Man Gen 13 team up with Joe Mad possibly handling the project. I don't think that ever comes to pass, but I would I would like to look at that book. Yeah, he you does know, a that sounds Spider-Man's. Joe Mad doing Gen 13 would have been amazing. You know, yeah. like. I'm way ahead, and I don't know what we focus on it, but in the hot artist stuff, it's like J. Scott Campbell and Joe Mad really popped to me in that top ten hot artist this issue. Yeah. Because like they're young and their styles do have some different influences, especially Joe Mad. It, and it'd be cool to see him do a Gen 13, which to me was like a young new team. Right. This is so crazy to me. This this is that jobber thing, right? Like Ron Garney gets ousted from Captain America duties, and then. They just uh, lar largesse give him some Silver Surfer to work on. He's got uh, George Perez doing the writing chops on that, so it might be kind of interesting. But man, it, he, I mean, explain that you're a cog in a wheel without saying you're a cog in the wheel. It's so true. Like I, you know, like in my mind, I think like, man, they fire you because they got some some other hot shot coming on you just want to leave you want to burn right. the place down but then also like what are your options in 1996 as a comic book guy who needs a paycheck like oh it sucks it's 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 one of those parts of the industry that's like try not to be in that position because man are you at the mercy of you know yeah i mean you're a job yeah totally like you know you your next job dictates uh your success 20 years of fantagraphics that's kind of cool is is uh in the mix here and I actually get a little couple of quotes from uncle gary they mentioned the titles that uh, sort of make them prominent: Love and Rockets, Usagi Ojimbo, Hate and Eight Ball. That's uh, a nice. That's a nice list of titles. I'll tell you, like when you see those names mentioned time and time again, just in little blurbs throughout this magazine, you have to investigate them. And it was like a big deal for me as a kid, like just seeing those those names mentioned over and over and over again. I have to go check those comics out. I love the uh, Groth quote. The kind of comics we publish, which are more ambitious and literate than your average mainstream comic, still have not achieved the broad readership that we would like to see. The number of readers is minuscule in a country of 260 million people. I love that attitude. Yeah, totally. Like, there are more readers out there, and, and you know, we want them. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I still we still want them. We yeah. still want more. For sure, for sure. There, there should be no limit to the readership that comics can appeal to, and you see it in, in international comics. Absolutely. Audiences. That Essential Sandman's kind of cool. I was thinking that was much later that DC was doing Essential Sandman, Essential Swamp Thing. Um, kind of loved that they did this. Totally. Uh, in the uh, comic company updates, I don't know if I passed up some of that 
some of those parts earlier on but uh there is the planet comics case yep is is going on I don't remember saying anything else about that case. Okay, so so uh, this case, Planet Comics, I think it's Alabama. I did some some reading up on it, and and I mean it's it's pretty deep. Like like child pornography is mentioned as some some of the accusations, and what kind of fucking scarlet letter does that do to a, to a store in in a community? Four felony, six misdemeanor uh, charges against the Oklahoma retailers, Mike Kennedy, John Hunter, reduced to six misdemeanor counts, including the dropping of the of the uh, child possession charge however the state filed an appeal that might reinstate those charges so one those fucking prosecutors are fucking pieces of shit like why do you gotta be happy with what you got why do you gotta bury these people it is such a corporate strategy of like oh let's file the appeal like eventually we're gonna drive this very small business under because they won but did they win because right. now they're still paying their lawyer for another round they got kicked out i i, I did some reading on this just out of curiosity they got kicked out of like the primo location yep. from, from the landlord and they had to move like across town to something that was less advantageous it was verotic number four uh which it might be that like cherry pie like what, what's that one comic taste of cherry yeah. comic that uh you know we did a uh, you did a shoot interview with uh hart d fisher talking about some of some of that stuff his work with Danzig and whatever so that's the comic that really started it off and then when the vice police come in and they go through the 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 materials then they start like ramping up these charges. The CBLDF uh, kind of got upset by these store owners because of this like constant back and forth stuff. If the CBLDF is going to uh, help you out, it's with the express purpose of taking things to court, not pleading out, which these guys did. They 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 pled guilty for meager charges, and uh, it, it it sort of didn't help the the, the precedent. So uh, the CBLDF was pretty upset that these guys went that way. But I can easily jump in and project and jump into the minds of the guys who have all these charges and just say, I want it to be over. Right. So if I say I'm guilty and I get a slap on the wrist and could just go back to business as usual, maybe give you guys $200, like I could like live my life and not think about it, have no albatross over my head. And by the way, big companies, that's a policy too. You know, we used to hear about the WCW Turner policies when somebody would, would come against WCW up to a certain amount it was like just settle right nobody wants to go to court right you know and and, and here's in the news bites is the uh, planet comics uh updates gotcha. with with uh all the other charges but like trying to reinstate like child pornography stuff when when like you know it's not in there and it already gets cast down that prosecutor man is such a fucking scumbag yeah, there's a lot. I don't know about this case in particular, but there's stuff where like those public, you know, the the DAs and stuff. It's political. Yeah, you know, it's promo. It's promo, really. It is. It's yeah, they get their, some small business. They get their names in the newspapers a bunch, and and certainly like something like that. Who's ever going to defend against that shit? That's all that people will see. So, uh, hey man, you're trying to help out the children. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds good. You're also using taxpayer money for all of this nonsense do you really right. think that comic book store is is doing this and you're spending who knows what hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars on this on, on going put, through appeal system getting a new wing put on your uh, yeah. your your mansion caught in the nexus after 15 years of nexus steve rude and mike Barron unveil an aggressive publishing schedule and a new nemesis so uh the whole idea is that they want to uh just put out more nexus material on a more frequent basis doing like one book a year that's not that's not helping their bottom line. I don't know that Nexus has always been cool with the Steve Rude contribution, you know, but like I don't know that it's ever had a hit. Right. It's it even it, like it's, with every publisher. One of those series that's almost punished for the consistency of it, right? I think they did 89, 89 issues at first or something like yeah. that, and it's hard to sell issue eighty-seven to a new person. Yeah. So like these guys that are really doing something, they're kind of penalized for really doing it. You know, putting out 90 issues with your indie publisher, but like you're not getting rewarded for that hard work. So that's part of this idea. Like they're going to Dark Horse and they're doing four issue miniseries. Hopefully it's inviting to new, uh, you know, new readers like pick pick up issue one of Executioner Song. And I did, by the way, I was a guy who got on Nexus at this point. You know, I had some back issues that I'd picked up here or there, but this is when I start buying Nexus whenever they're coming out in these, you know, in these miniseries. And, uh, and you know, it's it's a really, really well done comic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan of uh, Baron's writing. Like doing the whimsical stuff, 
is less interesting to me than like his Punisher comics because it just he seems so perfect for for that kind of uh, thing. It, it seems more natural to him. But it's the Steve Rude contribution that, that I'm into. You know, I've got all the first Steve Steve Rude comics. The one real interesting piece about this article is that it's Mike Richardson like bought the rights to Nexus from 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 uh, from a first comics, and we know that stuff like Grim Jack was caught in like weird weird legal disputes for for a long time before that got ironed out and he gave the rights i'd like to know more about that. it gave the rights back to to uh rude and baron that's fed that's fascinating i'm so curious about that yeah were there any strings attached you know like i let I, us I wonder, publish it i, I wonder but let us uh, publish your nexus I comics mean, if not that's just an amazing act by by richardson yeah yeah i mean i'm sure like hey man i'll get you these rights back if we could publish your comics that's that seems like a fair bargain and you know, if you're unfamiliar with with Rude and Nexus, like we've got a couple videos looking at Rude's sketchbooks, but also looking at like an artist edition style of Steve Rude's Nexus work. So check those out if you're not familiar with that, because maybe as good of a figure artist as I know of in comics. We're getting some she offshoot books, and one of them is going to be a manga styled uh, joint. It says that it's published in uh, in Japan and United States, but it says that like the one thing that's different about the Japanese is that. It has Japanese stuff on the cover, so I don't even know that it's translated. Yeah, I don't know about that, and um, I don't know what makes this manga style. I guess those eyes are kind of <laughs> big, but right. You know, I think a manga is like a almost a storytelling yeah. style approach, and uh, I, I don't know that that's what you're getting here. Yeah, no. Killing Machine. We're just gonna go through this real fast. It's just the idea that Onslaught is coming. Uh, they do play up the idea that you got to figure out who Onslaught's identity is and that that's going to be a big big part of the uh, the story. Yeah, and it also is it ends up tying into the Heroes Reborn in that like part of the Onslaught fight launches the Heroes Reborn to a different universe or whatever. Uh, one of those veiled attempts at uh, Rising Tide raises all ships. Yeah, this, this is what I think Wizard goes into, this kind of stuff that, man, I'm just, no thanks. Yeah, real stupid. Don't care. Dawn of a New Era. Joe Linsner's uh, Dawn comic has evolved from Vanna White-type hostess to a goddess of birth and rebirth. Uh, so it's now going to be published by Sirius. It's going to be a, a color book. And, and I think that uh, Dawn was put down for, for some years. After A Cry for Dawn, Joe Monks was the original writer. Some, I, some philosophical differences on the storytelling approach between Linsner and, and uh, Joe Monks. And he, you know, he got his hands back on the the character. Going to do some new things with it over over at Sirius. Uh, never really picked this stuff up. Never never checked it out. But it definitely has its its following. Yeah, I'm happy to look at. Like I've got a couple issues I've picked up over the years. The art's pretty extraordinary for what was going on in art at that time. You know, what you see there is basically what the interiors look like, and yeah. that's a lot of a lot of labor. And uh, I think it's markers, maybe blended markers. Yeah. Um, but it's in their top 10 list too. So like, I'd be down for checking out an issue of that. It's part of this whole like mid nineties, you know, self-published or uh, create our own kind of books. And it's something, man, you know, like that guy was putting some, some effort into the art. Totally. We'll, we'll go through this pretty quick too, man. Uh, the Men of Steel. So the Batman animated series came out probably like two, three years prior to this has been a big freaking hit. I think there was an episode or two where Superman shows up as a, some kind of world's finest type thing so it seems very logical to build a uh, superman cartoon uh this article is kind of fascinating because basically 100 percent of the creatives involved are talking about how much less cool superman is compared to batman and how much more heavy lifting they have to do to try to make this piece of shit work because the boy scout stuff is played out in fact we don't want to hear that term like if you're coming to our writers room like like you, you gotta divorce yourself from that idea there are no rogues gallery there's like three characters to use and the rest are like uh like portly fat old dudes like the toy maker and and the prankster yeah it's the, real interesting listening to them like boil down this character of what works and doesn't and then like playing up the parts that work that aren't necessarily what's in the comic and almost zero of it works from what they say like they they're basically are, are talking about how they're earning their pay trying to make this fucking superman thing work and uh you know it comes out but it didn't do what batman did of course grant morrison mark miller 
on uh, on Aztec. Yeah, how about that for a creative powerhouse? And it was uh, it's so funny too, Ben, because I remember thinking like Mark Miller, who is that? Uh, this is Grant Morris. He's just spreading himself thin with this with this Mark Miller Millar guy. It's hard to be excited when you look at this. It feels so generic. Totally. Um, this is one that I honestly I will keep an eye peeled for when I'm in dollar bins, and uh, I would pick this up and see what it's like because that that's pretty strong minds. I'm uh, Morrison and uh, Miller there. I'm rereading a bunch of stuff, man. Like, well, I'm I'm reading a bunch of Morrison that I that I haven't read before, so I got the JLA like ready to go, and you know, like Aztec is way down on the list. Like, like I'll read Invisibles before I I read Aztec, but good luck with that. Oh, I know. I've tried Invisibles a couple times, and I and I find it a little bit of a tougher read, and maybe Aztec's the same way. I don't know. But I the know, JLA that, that stuff, looks like tongue in cheek, we're gonna uh, superhero. We're comics. gonna get to that JLA piece here pretty soon, and um, that was a that was a cool, interesting book, in terms of being a Morrison fan at the time, where it was like, what is this? Right. Superheroes? Yeah. Mainstream superheroes? Totally. That doesn't seem like Morrison. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, first look bonus: uh, The Darkness. Uh, Garth Ennis is going to be the writer of The Darkness. We finally got some imagery of what The Darkness looks like. And uh, Silvestri seems cautiously optimistic. You know, with Garth Ennis, we know we're getting some over-the-top stuff. And if he goes a little too over-the-top, I guess we'll have to we'll have to have a phone call. <laughs> I bought this. Uh, I was in college. I remember buying it at that local shop, you know, uh, Patty's Paperbacks. So excited that, you know, I had a cool comic book shop I could walk to. And uh, this was a book I do remember buying it when it came out. You know, Silvestri fan. This was getting a little bit of noise. Uh, this is after Witchblade had made some noise. So it was like, this is really, to me, Silvestri is is figuring out Top Cow is like, I'm not a Wildstorm knockoff. This is my own stuff. And that's what you do is bring in someone like a Garth Ennis. Yeah. You know, bring somebody in that has some, some good chops and let's try something. And some shades of faust in in darkness you can see these demonic characters that come out with him this is a book i would look at uh you know on, on here i'd be the, curious to revisit it because like i read it when it came out it didn't it didn't make a big mark on me but who knows how i view it now you know it's very different in 96 uh my reading than versus now so look at this shit right here the perspective one two you need two chimneys right next to each other and they're <laughs> off uh, off perspective it's it's a character that looks like it's built for the computer coloring with all that lighting and you know you say that but here's what disturbs me i get mad at stuff being all brown i also get mad if it's all blue yeah it's give me give, give me some depth right you it's know? so stupid all right here here we go with the uh, grant morrison uh jla article piece uh with with howard uh, porter coming on for for the art duties and it's uh it's Morrison like laying things down you know like we're bringing back all the og characters and heavy just, hitters and just trying to figure out like what is the dynamic with all of these guys like where do they fit into the sp the space and yeah. and you know when you have a superman is a batman necessary well he's got a very strong mind you know like the the, the mind he's almost like what did they call him like a uh, consultant yeah consultant um these are the pantheon of gods in the dc universe kind of like the sound of it you know that's something that i think separates dc from marvel and, yeah. and you should have a book if you're dc you should have a book of these characters there's you could find maybe like three four hours worth of grant morrison talking talking comics with uh, kevin smith and one of the big takeaways with with morrison that kind of like feels like it divorces itself from the uh, the alan moore school because like you know there's so much like he's an alan moore hack kind of thing is that where alan moore was interested in kind of playing up this kind of potent the potential real, real world like nuance to the character uh morrison is very interested in accepting the comic book hyperbole of right. like what these characters are and stuff. so so like that's a, a added piece of the angle that he's bringing to the mixture so like rather than putting thought into how arkham asylum like the, you know really works or whatever in in, in killing joke or something like he's going to take it to a place of of comic book hyperbole reading this description of what's going on with these characters in this book it made me think of like what we're going to see in a couple of years with stuff like um what was the wild storm book not planetary authority authority you know like that idea of 
superpowered beings that are above humans. Right. You know, you could probably draw a line back to Miracle Man with totally. that concept. Yeah, yeah. After the big fight, when it becomes that fascist nation where everybody's just scared to death, like, oh man, we don't want. But I do remember this. I think this run connected. I think it. it yeah. It, I remember it being popular and stuff. He, he wrote it for a long time. Like I like I have them all loaded up, and I do look forward to uh, to uh, reading those. I'm reading his Batman right now. Almost done with his Batman, actually. And Howard Porter is talking about like pinching himself, like, like I'm in the big leagues now. I don't know what Porter did. I guess he did the Ray, and maybe like one or two other. Yeah, they list something uh, DC Underworld or yeah, get what it's called. But there's another. Uh, I think like Seacourt or or one of these other uh, channels websites. They they put out a, a Grant Morrison documentary. It's like a two hour piece, and there's a snippet in there. Where it talks to all the artists that Morrison, you know, Tony Daniel, J.H. Williams, Howard Porter, and they all, during their interviews, said the same piece about like getting the Morrison script and going, "What the f, man? Like, <laughs> like, what am I supposed to?" So, like, there's like this like sequence where you just see them all saying, "I have no idea how to draw this." Those scripts, you know, like you can find some Morrison scripts. It might be worth looking at one of those on, you know, for an episode. It might be kind of fun to dive into that. I, I enjoy that stuff because it's a bit of process that we don't always see. Totally. One thing that didn't connect with me is uh, Legion of Superheroes. So we have a whole big deal about uh, the Legion here. Uh, I, I just glance over this. If you have something to add, be my guest. So I try to go into these wizard episodes as like, I'm going to read it. Sure. I got a headache reading this. Yeah, it's like, a recap of stuff, and it's it, it does not make me want to read those issues. Totally. Saint of Killers being promoted. Uh, one of the interesting things that they did with uh, the Preacher run is that every year, rather than have an annual, they would have some sort of special. So there was Arsface special. Saint of Killers got a miniseries. There's the one with, with Jody and TC, where it's like a uh, Miami Vice type narco uh, crime crime story. That's a fun one to, to, that we got to look at because it has uh, Carlos Escarza does the artwork and it's a wild comic. Is it a one shot? It's a one shot. I don't know if I've read that one. Like I don't think I've read the Saint of Killers miniseries, and I like Steve Pugh art. This this miniseries, I, I'm telling you, man. Like at this age where I gave so much trust and just all of myself to to the writers and the creators and I had no like critical thought in mind I was just like yeah well you're you're the you're adults like you know what is up man I bought into this I felt for this you feel for this character in such a massive way and I would like to check it re check it out again because I, I wonder if it still holds up at that level because I was very very empathetic this is the biggest handgun I've ever seen and I just had a, I just had lunch with an uncle recently. Was telling me about a 557 Magnum. Jesus. I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> like a 50 caliber is the biggest handgun I ever heard of. I feel like that might be the 557 Magnum. Isn't it a sawed-off shotgun? No, it's a revolver, but it's absurdly sized. Well, Glenn Fabry's from the UK, man. He he, he doesn't get much gun reference. But I am kind of curious to check that out. Like I say, I like Stephen Pugh, and I I don't know. If I, if I read those in collections or what? It seems like I thought I'd read all the Preacher stuff and the Preacher-related stuff, but they would, I may have missed some of those specials. Yeah. There's an Air Star one as, as well. And and a uh, uh, Cassidy vampire joint. You know what? Maybe I haven't read any of the specials. You know, those might have existed outside of the regular uh, collections and something, something to look forward to, maybe. Frank Miller is the subject of the wizard Q&A. Strong-willed, provocatively opinionated Frank Miller sees things in black and white. And they are just, uh, you know, they're lobbing some some, uh, some queries at him. I love the uh, quote at the tippity top here. I don't regard Marvel as a creative force anymore. So my Marvel bashing days are over because there's nothing there to bash. I love it. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, 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 it's such a weird stance. Marvel died in 96, according to him. <laughs> in loving memory. Yeah, sure. Why not, man? Um, the, it's, so, it's so fascinating. Like, Mo Wizard did something to Frank Miller. I was going to say that, too. And, like, Rob Liefeld and, and Jim Lee were, they, like, they all turned heel on the magazine. And I think this could be a good example of like where Rob can turn in a way. Because like they get so much shine. I, I bring up these three guys because they got so much shine from the magazine. And then in a year or two at, at Pittsburgh, right. the Harvey Awards, Frank Miller's going to be doing his famous speech where he's ripping up uh, 
wizard magazines and saying if it wasn't so insufferably slick, he'd wipe his asshole with it. <laughs> but <laughs> where the uh, the Rob stuff comes into play, I think is is could happen maybe right here, man, because we have we already saw some Rob ads. We have more Rob ads for his uh, his Marvel business. You know, the other stuff was his Maximum Press business, but it's f- facing this part where they ask Frank Miller about Jim Lee and Rob Layfield and how f- disappointed Frank Miller is and these guys going back. And you know what? Like he did build a lot of equity in comics. Frank Miller did. He is a trusted source uh, when it comes to just getting, you know, the popular opinions of the day. And he was in their corner. We've done f- nearly 60 episodes of, of this of this series where we look at Wizards. And he was really promoting those guys, but he's also putting a lot of his own, you know, mentality on them with, in terms of expectations. So, you know, he's really wishing that they would have just, you know, stuck, stuck with their stuff, but. Calls them factory comics. Yeah. The fact that they've just became bosses of their own kind of Marvel comics type enterprise. It is whack. It is corny. It has ended up being short-sighted. Uh, when when you look at the fact that like we're not really building any new comics readers so like uh, a lot of those guys are they have legacy fans you know when you see their lines and stuff it ain't kids it's dudes who are you know our age in the 90s buying that stuff but Frank Miller has uh, you know his work has endured and new people show up all the time for 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 his works i think this is pretty interesting it says you don't see any good coming from the marvel deal and he says i fear for those guys climbing onto the deck of the titanic isn't exactly the way to save yourself six months from now we're going to see the wizard about marvel declaring bankruptcy so you know pretty insightful in a lot of ways on on uh, miller's part predicting you know where things are right now totally you know that death of marvel he cites john romita senior leaving is, right. is the piece that, uh, that that he says is the reason for that. He also says, you know, like, when Stanley and Jack Kirby, when things were down and they needed a new direction, Stanley and Jack Kirby didn't say, let's find a way to perform CPR on old characters one more time. They made up new ones. And he's he talks about Stan Lee and the idea that, like, everybody wants to, to pick a side and then destroy the other guy and there's much more nuance to it and that's how i feel about this too mm-hmm. you know i think stanley definitely took some credit for stuff that he didn't deserve credit for but i don't go throw stanley out he's garbage or worthless or you know this is black and white and he's one color or the other it just isn't that way but everybody wants anything it says yeah to be that way mm-hmm. and so I, I i i like that he gets into this a little bit and kind of talks about the nuance of like that's just not it. Stanley did a lot. Sure. And 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 they they're goading him, you know, like they're trying to get him to talk that smack and and he actually cuts them off and right. it's just like I'm not I'm not that guy who's in that camp. You like you you've got me mistaken uh, a little bit. It is interesting to think that notion that like if Atlas is going away like we need to rejuvenate. Like what if they did do what Marvel practices have turned out to be and like we got to bring back the Destroyer and Wizard and, yeah, and, right. and characters like this? It's really funny. Talks about people, um, you know, speaking more openly now. Something that didn't used to happen in comics, and he thinks that's probably a good thing. Praises DC Comics, by the way, at this stage. <laughs> yeah, it ain't going to be too long until... Uh... Uh, they seem to have an increasingly progressive editorial attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess uh, that's the bell of the ball. Like, like he's kind of stuck with them you know, since that second round of Dark Knight. And then it just gets into a bunch of the the legend speak. But uh, the one fun piece is when they just kind of like name check the various... I always like that. Uh, ...legend creators. It's, and then he gets into, you know, what makes them tick, what makes them cool. I love this a lot. Uh, not just Miller doing it, but anybody. Like, it's one of those things whenever we talk to creators, I like to hear them describe different creators they like or... Because it's it's a different insight. What do you see whenever you look at Mobius? Yeah. Or, you know, what do you see when you look at Dan Klaus? And we've done some po- good pointed ones, man, like with John Romita Jr. calling out the names of his anchors yes. and, and, and hearing, like, you know, his thoughts on I each really of them. I really like that stuff. And, you know, some of the stuff that he calls out as being great creator-owned books or great books right now. Bone, of course, from, from Jeff Smith, really good. Uh, Steve Bissett's Tyrant, a book that we've looked at on here. We've looked at Bone, too. But I, I do like seeing, like, there were some great books that came out in the 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are less imitators on, when it comes to Sin City now, and he makes the Express uh, 
declaration that Stray Bullets by Dave Lapham yes. is not right. a Sin City clone by any stretch. He's doing way different things. His work needs to be celebrated. If anything, he you know if he's getting any influence it's just a mere fact that sin city helped make crime comics uh, a viable genre again but uh go support dave lapham stray bullets that's a pretty cool thing yeah i like that got jimmy palmiotti doing some more uh ink demonstration stuff and uh you know it's it's pretty straightforward. I don't disagree with anything that he that he writes in here. The only part that I'm not happy about is, um, oh, I was thinking, you know what? It might have solved that. I thought it was how to ink a comic book page, and then I was like, we don't see the whole page. But you know what? It's not. It's just how to ink a comic book. Right. But yeah, I don't disagree with anything. The one thing I might disagree with is editorial, where it has Jimmy's Tools of the Trade. Same tools as last exactly. issue. Exactly. They just copy paste. Maybe give me another panel, you know, something like that. But yeah. uh, it's all pretty straightforward. Contrast, texture, things like that makes sense to me. And then the different little tricks, man. The Zipatone tricks, Duotone, yep. uh, using the razor to to um, get some shit off of there dry brush so he's, he's getting a deep white zip tone yep so a little bit more in depth than our last round for sure yeah definitely and it's jimmy palmiotti make, making the argument that the anchors are not tracers basically right. which is kind of ironic in that this is a time period whenever anchors really were being pushed that way with pencilers doing super tight pencils Got a fascinating Palmer's picks here, Jimmy. Yes, it, yes, we do. We've gotten uh, this Tom Palmer Jr.'s oasis in the middle of the shit fucking desert that is Wizard Magazine. And uh, we've gotten very, very small mentions of Brian Michael Bendis's work through the Caliber Press, like News Bites early on, but never anything very, very big. We finally have a Palmer's picks that focuses on this indie darling. Brian Michael Bendis, who lock, stock, and barrel does his comics. He draws the shits and he writes the stuff. But what's fascinating to me about this article, certainly as a time capsule piece, is almost all the conversations about the writing part mm -hmm. in so many ways and how uh, conversational he's trying to get his dialogue. You could tell that this guy is steeped in the writing part. And with all the stuff he's talking about, the construction of the artwork and posing people and having actors and all that stuff, Drawing does not come easy to this guy, you know? And and the work looks like it. It looks very constipated, very forced, clearly traced from from photographs and stuff, and does not look like a f joy to, like, draw. But it's, it's, it's the writing and it's the construction where this guy excels. And like all of, like, the most prominent comic writers before him, he makes that decision. Alan Moore made comics, Lock, Stock, and Barrel. Grant Morrison can draw, but they made that decision to pivot to the thing that uh, might pay the most dividends, and it certainly did in his case. So I like Bendis. Uh, like, like personally, he would come to Pittsburgh. You know, like at the time at of this time, article, yeah, he's absolutely. in Cleveland, so he'd always be at the Pittsburgh show. I got some of these crime comics early on and enjoyed reading them, and I really like the interview stuff that's in here. Like when he talks about using photo reference and the way he uses it, I think it's really interesting. He tried to take photo reference a step further to make it a step of the creative process where he's giving his actors like this is the script, you know, so if you want to put some of that in there, you know, if that helps you for these poses or whatever. And I really like that. Like he's, it's not like he's trying to hide that or anything, you know, he's leaning into that part. Um, I thought these were good comics. It kind of bums me out. I got rid of these in my purge because I'd like to look at some of them. I'd like to reread some of them now. Um, this is a great article. I, I really enjoyed reading this and revisiting this just because he was one of those early creators. The fact that he seemed to struggle with the visual part, but find ways to do it. Yes. Because like reading those comics, it didn't bother me that, that they looked exactly like you said, that they were heavily photo referenced. Um, it didn't bother me because I enjoyed the the, re the whole reading, like the overall, the the sum is greater than the parts yeah. would be my recollection of these comics. And I'd be curious to go back and check those out again. But also he's coming at this stuff with the, you know, he's doing crime comics when it was hard to sell, but it yeah. was what he was into. There was a lot I admired about Bendis in this time period. And I looked forward to seeing him at Pittsburgh every year for a couple years there. Totally. And even around mm -hmm. this, this period, he's getting, he's getting like Hollywood offers mm -hmm. and stuff. And they're talking about the impending movie. He would do, he would often do a um, panel at the Pittsburgh Comic-Con about 
interactions with Hollywood. And I think he writes a bigger book. He does. About... He does a comic with, with pretty fun cartooning in where it's a little bit like very cartoonish compared to like this kind of heavy yeah. noir style uh, about that experience. Totally. So like he, he would basically be like woodshedding those ideas. It would be a, a panel that would be pretty populous like yeah, sure. At, at the uh, at the Pittsburgh Comic Con before he was really he had had the name. He was a very good salesman. I can remember stories about him like going to the bookstores, you know, local bookstores in Cleveland, and selling his stuff. You know, like hand selling a copy, two copies, and stuff to put on the shelves. But also, like he did that with people. You know what I mean? Like there was a reason he stood out to me. I probably talked to you know fifty different creators at Pittsburgh. I don't remember most of them, but I remember him. He was a good salesman in that way. A good, I don't know, just just a kind of a people person seem yeah. to be interested in people and I think that's continued I think he's taught comics I think he's written a lot about it he used to have a message board in the early days of the internet for me where I'd meet other you know aspiring creators and some working pros um I like this column a lot it was fun to me but one thing that popped out to me in the whole column mm -hmm. you can get down to here there's no mention of the publisher caliber and I've said this before I think there's a beef between wizard and caliber when it comes to actually buying the books that you have to reference where to get them and so caliber shows up there but I wonder, like, Tom Palmer Jr., man, was Caliber removed from the text of this? Like, Maybe we'll see him this weekend. Yeah, I'd, I'd be very curious about that piece. The other thing that I take out of this is Caliber has a catalog, you know, that lists all their stuff. All of these companies had catalogs. You guys watching this at home, if you've got old Caliber catalogs, kitchen sink catalogs, Fantagraphics, Eros, any of these things... Send them our way. I yeah. would love to see these catalogs. Great episodes. You know, I've seen one or those. two back in the day, but Caliber had one, and I've never seen that, so I'd be curious about all those. Totally. Oh, this is interesting, man. A, a, a voice is spawned. So the, the HBO Spawn cartoon is just coming out at this point, which kind of blows my mind. I thought that already happened. I thought we saw imagery from that like years ago uh, yeah. in, in Spawn coverage, but Keith David is finally uh, announced as as the uh, the voice actor. I did not know that was Keith David. Oh, That's yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, totally, man. That's awesome. Yeah, they live. Yeah, I love it. He's the fella. Um, so yeah, like I guess I guess that put, got pushed back for, further than, than I realized. Aaron Weisenfeld, one of the guys doing character design. Yeah, that's true. I didn't know that either. That's really interesting. I used to, um, I, I had my uh, then girlfriend, now wife, had HBO at home, so uh -huh. I would make her record these for me because I didn't have HBO, but I, I had to watch the Spawn series. My, uh, the my... fact that she agreed to that and stuck around was probably like, <laughs> that was it. We're, we're, this is going to work out. My, uh, my, my, my art teacher at the Center for the Arts, like I would uh, give him a v VHS tape and, and get him to, to tape it for me. And, the, and the, the tape is better. I still have the tape. don't have a VCR, but... You can't find the Todd McFarlane like bumpers on the the aftermarket stuff, the stuff that might be on uh, YouTube or or the final tapes and shit. So it's like that's the only place where you could get the Todd McFarlane Rod Serling impersonation, where he's like inside yes. of a warehouse with like lightning and shit coming through the windows with his with his fucking moose hair. <laughs> <laughs> Blade is to be made. Blade the Immortal with Wesley Snipes is attached. Uh, it won't be, man, three years before we, we see it. Am I wrong to think that Blade gets uh, short shrift when it comes to, like, Marvel's cinematic success? Yeah, I feel like definitely. Blade really... It started it off, Opened no doubt. some doors, you know, show, showed them that it could work. Absolutely, man. It was like, that comes first, and then Spider-Man, X-Men, and then we're, we're off to the races. But with the, there were two Blades, and the second one is... um. Gamero del Toro. Del Toro? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that flick was fucking dope. Yeah, I feel like that's the one that elevated that is like, oh, we could do this big time. Yeah, man. <clears throat> Picks from the wizard's hat, Jimmy. We've got the uh, Jim Lee Wildcats with uh, with Alan Moore. We still got to get out of the Ron Garney Captain America universe, so there's a couple of those still to come out. I think this may be it. I think this may be... Look, you see the... No! This is the swan song. <laughs> That was, you know, this might be the Wizard Rob Liefeld beef because Wizard really went hard. I remember this being as like, oh man, people are mad because Captain America was good, and now they 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 took they they stopped that and they gave it to Rob Liefeld. And I don't know anything. I'm not reading Captain America right. either series. All I know is like this is the narrative that's coming out, and I think Wizard's the people putting out that narrative. Yeah, man. I mean that part with Frank Miller where 
the adjacent ad is a Rob Liefeld ad while you're getting dissed. Like, I know there's not that many options to place ads back in those days, but that would fuck me up. I wouldn't be a little like, like, why couldn't it be this ad right here? Like, sure. you know what I mean? Like any other page, but the one facing it, that feels like a dick move. That's a deep rib when your ad placement is, is the rib. <laughs> I mean, you know, like you're going to look for it in the thing and then you maybe read the adjacent page. Why not? Hellboy Wake the Devil miniseries coming out. Loving it, man. Hellboy really just doing the work, just making good comics. Sin City, that yellow bastard is uh, at, at issue five of six. That was the first one that I started to pick up in, in proper issues. You know, probably started with Silent Night. By the way, in the Miller sidebar, they're talking about upcoming stuff, and he references a Sin City that was before World War II. Haven't heard anything more about that. Yeah, not at all. Like, that, uh, I think that might be the one that's going to be coming out from this kayfabe company that he has right now, because, like, you would see, like, the Native American, because he was talking about the Western one. But what I will say is, uh, in that second Sin City movie, Dame to Kill For, there's a whole story that is not in the comics, and I think, like... I remember him talking about that in like letters columns and stuff about like the Nancy centric story. It's just in the movie and it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. He also talks about writing a script for Sin City and then deciding he doesn't want to sell it to Hollywood. So it's possible he had written some stuff that then found its way once he, uh, once he found a deal he liked. Right. With the figures, we're going to start getting these, uh, those young blood action figures and wet works is on the horizon, I believe. One one piece here is, you know, Star Wars is coming in full force. Okay, that gets you, uh, I don't know, not quite a column's worth. And then it's McFarlane, McFarlane, McFarlane. You know, like it is just the McFarlane uh, toy column. These Total Chaos things were dope, man. Like they would just be these insane looking sculptural fucking right. bad guys. Like like this guy right there with like a, a, like a diorama with like, you know, broken walls and all kinds of just a, just badass toys that don't fit into anything. It's not in Spawn. It's not licensed from anything. It's just letting his sculptors go ham and do some fucking crazy shit. Those things look awesome. We recently recorded an episode on uh, Maycross. <clears throat> And this kind of gives the breakdown on Maycross. Uh, it's definitely... So you sold this differently than I was going to. And I was going to be like, oh, we should do. Uh, we should look at some of the comics that spring out of this. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. Uh, what, what is funny, though, with uh, Carl Gustav Horn is that he's very uh, charitable when he talks about Maycross coming over and being called Robotech and stuff because he says it, that it's reasonably faithful. He, that's the only time I ever heard anybody say that that is uh, reasonably faithful to uh, the, the source material. Ghost in the Shell getting promoted as, as uh, you know, the anime. We found out that manga video um, put in a couple million dollars into the production of that. And uh, when, I got this like the day it came out. Dude, cool looking ad. Is it crazy to look at this ad and think three years before Matrix? Oh, right. You know what I mean? Like, doesn't that ad look like something that would be a Matrix ad? Yeah, totally. Sanctuary is one of the picks of the month, and uh, this was certainly the first time I saw, you know, that imagery, and yeah. I always wanted to check out this comic. I ended up checking it out at the uh, Pittsburgh Library, man, Ryo Ichi Ikigami doing like a 70s era, you know, these two young boys grow up in the same neighborhood, one becomes like a cop, one becomes a, a, a John Gotti, or something like that. Yeah, it sounds really good, the duo try to... Uh plotting a two-track takeover of Japan. That's That sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah, got a couple volumes of this. This this trinity right here, it kind of illustrates my interest in manga up to this point. So, like, so like I would be going more in the direction of, like, Ryo Ichi Ikigami, Katsuhiro Otomo. When I see these kind of eyes, I'm not fucking with that at all. Yeah. I'm not looking at that at all. And, like, the Maycross is, like, is, like, right in the middle. You know what? One note on, on Macross is uh, 1984 World Science Fiction Convention in Los Angeles is where the first three uh, issue, or three episodes are screened. I mention that because we look at the comic book that Kamiko puts out, also 1984. Like, they were moving quick on this. Right. Somebody saw it and went, hey, this is something. Let's get the rights. Let's let's put this in front of our audience. You know, like, that's a pretty quick turnaround. So so this is uh, 94. Well, that's later. That's um, that's a sequel. Oh, okay. Yeah. They, they trace that whole history. I like this article. It's pretty interesting to hear that. 
there's there's sequels there's the uh plus version yes. which is 94 but you know like the first u.s screening or whatever is 84 oh, okay. and it's like that's when the comic book adaptation comes out too so like they licensed that and got to work yeah that's a lot of that's a lot of faith in whatever they saw quickly and went this this is something yeah, i haven't you, seen this before it, I, we want this Prime's the pump man because voltron was earlier and that was a revolution that blew people's minds so you can imagine that yeah i think that was my second grade pre morning show that was like my every morning before school eat my cereal and watch voltron right um and i loved it you know i i, I would have been part of that group and i formed the head god the row the row beasts were like the greatest thing yeah man top 10 preacher number one yeah. has uh, hit hit the top spot heck yeah and then wolverine 100 i was trying to figure out like what's so special about that they get his claw his uh metal back yeah there's an earlier one that's like wolverine 90 something like that uh that i was scooping these shits off of the uh off the racks you know like at, at kmart and stuff it's the one with a uh, deadpool in silhouette holding up wolverine with like knives and shit in them that thing is worth a lot now because it's the first Deadpool versus uh, Wolverine, so we might have to put that one under the microscope. That's Adam Kubert. Adam Kubert got has a lot of good-looking Wolverine comics. You want to hit this top ten? Um, I kind of said my piece earlier about like I just think those artists Joe Mad and J Scott Campbell, like hot young artists with some real different influences. Nice to see them on the list. Yeah, Jimmy, this might be it for me, man. You know what? I got a comment on the top one hundred in sales. Yeah. I was looking down this list and it's like last issue it was marvel dc crossovers dominated like that was a real successful thing they're gone now so now we've got four image books in the top seven uh you know and it's kind of image and marvel but you start looking down and it's like the top dc book is death the time of your life number three not number one right that's interesting the third issue is the dc top selling book of the of the month and it's number 20 on the list it's incredible that that's there so i thought we should look at death at some point but then you keep going down the line and it's like 27 is the dreaming for dc another vertigo title and then you get to adventures in superman batman black and white detective comics and now like all of the dc stuff all the way down until they get to wonder woman until they get to green lantern rather at 59 it's all batman or superman books <laughs> that's all they've got it's it's wild two vertigo books are the top dc books yeah that's fascinating man and you ahead know of all the batman comics ahead of all the superman comics it looks like uh, chaos has five or six books in the top top 100 which for a small business man mm -hmm. that's 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 really good stuff yeah yeah it's interesting dc really struggling sales wise at this point i mean that's my takeaway oh yeah but i would think maybe we should look at those death books they look nice if you got them I'll have to see what I have in there. I, I may be missing an issue or two somewhere, so I'll have to see if I am. I'll, I'll try to pick those up, and then we'll, we'll check that series out in the future. I think this is it, Jimmy. Yeah, there's not a... There's a Spawn profile with a couple of McFarlane quotes in it. Nothing uh, Nothing really stands out. Um, there's Part of that profile is similar tastes, and he's saying if you like Spawn, and this is McFarlane quote, you'll enjoy Batman as a Creature of the Night character. I think people would like books such as Sandman or Sin City, though I don't profess to be in the same class of writing as those two books. Pretty, uh, pretty, pretty he knows this. My goal has been to try and create a book that isn't quite like any other, but stands on its own. I like that. I feel like everybody making comics aspire to create a book that isn't like anything else. Sure. And the wizard profile is with Bo Smith, who's uh, one of the stable of uh, the Todd McFarlane camp, doing uh, writing Booth and the Bruise Crew and. I guess uh, by the looks of this, he's going to be writing some kind of spawn, you know, some sort of spawn ancillary material. This was a corny fucking profile. Like at the start, like where does it go? Um, Bo Smith used to hurt people for money, but it's not what you think. It was always about abuse, says the good natured West Virginia native. Women were being beat up by their husbands and boyfriends, and I would get these calls from them. It was like, here's the bar he frequents. This is when he's coming out. Why don't you go talk to him? Does this guy think he's fucking Batman or something? What is going on with that paragraph? Does this mean that he goes to the bar and beats the dude up? Like, seriously, what is this story? Yeah, he's a Superman. It's, it's really bizarre. It's bullshit. Like, this guy, please. And he does a lot of PR and marketing. So if this is like, oh, I'm going to do a funny icebreaker in the beginning do a re like like have us have somebody read this because that <laughs> paragraph 
is nuts. It's it sounds like a goofy Rupert Pupkin comic fan promoting himself to other fucking losers by saying guts and glory kayfabe war stories. It's strange. Mike Tyson doesn't talk about how tough he is. And furthermore, if this is true, if he's really doing this, write a book about it, Bo. Like, yeah. like this is fascinating if this is really something you have real experience with but if not like what are you doing yeah that's corny as shit man strange it's so fake and then it just gets into what whatever he's doing but that was that was the one piece that i'm like immediately he's starting off on the wrong foot with me because he is talking some smack it's very bizarre and and it's just like you've you've heard that kind of shit from like homunculus like nerd dudes about how tough they are i remember working in the call center with this dude talked about he jabbed a sword through a dude who tried to rob him like the weekend before and i'm like and it's ain't on the news like you're telling me about it he said he pinned a dude to to a to a door and i'm like show me the 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 proof when did that happen man it's just these like loser type dudes telling stories of guts and glory it's very strange it's cornball shit man but there it is 59 episodes of wizard down jimmy my goodness and, and, and i need to wash my eyes out with some comics journal <laughs> yes sir even amazing heroes <laughs> yeah man uh, we had to have a truncated uh recording week uh this week because jimmy and i as of this recording are gonna head off to uh baltimore comic-con in fact uh it's sunday we're at baltimore comic-con and by the time the show ends we're, we're driving home uh, right after. So we got a very busy comic book day, but we'll get back to uh, coverage of uh, other types of material once we're out of here. Uh, ultimately, I'm going to thank you guys, man. Almost 60 episodes of Wizard In. That's freaking crazy. But uh, the videos are daily vids, man. So uh, like, follow, subscribe. I think uh, on YouTube now, there's like a drop down when you hit the bell. You could choose the frequency of uh, notifications so make sure that you get notified for all the vids that that come through because we do put them out on a very regular basis every single day and we might have talked about your favorite comics at this point man five years in almost 1400 plus videos hit the little magnifying glass on the front page of the cartoonist kayfabe youtube channel give it a search maybe we talked about your favorite comics maybe we didn't and if that is the case you got to let us know what those comics are so that we can push them higher on our to read pile we have a patreon where the king kayfabers on the patreon get all the videos before anybody else we've got a couple dozen king kayfabers hanging out in our exclusive uh private uh chat stream while we uh set that up as we record all the episodes for for the week um ultimately the videos are brought to you by the books that we make and we have a pretty busy year ahead of us even though it's only about three four months left in this year the Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is coming to you in time for Christmas. In fact, it's going to be here October 18th, which means that your store needs to buy it right now. Uh, they need to put in their orders ASAP because we have to allocate the, what little uh, shipments we have left. we got to get those to the right stores with people who want the book. 500 plus pages of material, uh, 150 pages of stuff that is not in the first four Hip Hop Family Tree editions. So it's the ultimate statement. Make sure you order this. It's the best book I made, and I would love to uh, have that on your uh, on your bookshelf. The X Men Grand Design Trilogy is coming out. Trade paperback edition of all of my X Men Grand Design comics. Some of these big treasuries are out of print, so it'll be your way to get your hands on all of my X Men Grand Design stuff. Two trade paperbacks of Red Room are out there. Anti Social Network and Trigger Warnings. Working on uh, the Crypto Killers, the last round of Red Room comics. Uh, in fact, the uh, fourth issue should be out this next week if it hasn't uh, just popped out the, the prior week. In issue three, there's going to be a backup feature that has uh, the characters that I'm going to be covering in my daily comic strip, which I'm serializing right now on my Patreon. Uh, three bucks gets you the archive, and I put up new strips every Tuesday. And I'm going to be serializing this uh, strip. It's called uh, Switchblade Shorties every, uh, every day beginning january 1st of 2024 now jimmy gotta let the people know what you have coming out street angel princess of poverty is coming out in november and you can pre-order that one now at your comic book shop and i recommend that you pre-order that one now at your comic book shop so that they can put your name on a copy it collects all of the street angel comics that are not in deadliest girl alive so get both you'll have the complete set they'll look good on your bookshelf Hulk grand design the treasury sized uh collection is out now 
and I think it is sold out now at the distribution level. So if you want a, co a copy of Hulk Grand Design, you need to pick that one up the next time you see it, uh, because once those are gone, who knows if they'll be reprinted, and even if they are, who knows when they'll be reprinted. <laughs> I've been self-publishing. A couple of my latest zines are the BW zine and the 1986 zine showcasing the black and white explosion comics of the 1980s, as well as highlighting 1986, a very important year in the history of comics. I also self-published True Crime Funnies number one, three nonfiction stories, including a couple of wrestling comics. You can read these on my Patreon at patreon.com slash jimrug, and uh, I will be offering them for sale on my website in late October. So if you need them in print, they will be coming uh, coming soon. Buy the books, keep the channel rocking, but there are some other ways to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Jimmy, if you let the people know. Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, hats, uh, fanny packs, stickers, and lots more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video in the show notes. There you have it. Many ways to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel and keep these videos coming to you on a very regular basis. Jimmy, give them those final marching orders so that we can be on our way. Read more comics.